When did the image of success become so shallow and cookie cutter? It's carefree entrepreneurship, sprawling homes, and curated aesthetics, all wrapped up in a simplified social media post, rife with the latest buzzwords explaining how you're just one manifestation away from the life of your dreams. But building thriving businesses and positioning yourself as a leader in any industry has little to do with hitting these external validations and everything to do with cutting through the crap and getting to work. My name is James Patrick, and I'm an internationally published photographer, marketing strategist, and your host in this discussion. I've spent decades studying the mechanics of success so I could reverse engineer the process. Together, let's specifically define what success means to you and determine the steps to get you there. With real strategies, exclusive interviews, and game-changing ideas you can implement into your life and business. It's time to go beyond the facade, beyond the posturing, beyond the image to create real change personally and professionally. This is the Beyond the Image Podcast. My guest today is Whitney Johns. She's a trainer. She's a coach. She's an entrepreneur. And she says she's a model. I'm unsure about that. Whitney, how are you doing today? <laughs> Good. How are you in the back cave over there? Hey, I am holding down the bat cave. It's my sanctuary. Um, you know, I was, I was actually thinking like, you know, I, we spend so much of our time in our workplace and I think our workplace should reflect uh, what makes us truly happy. And, you know, you could not have a higher contrast of uh, displays of true brands and happiness between your workspace, which I'm looking at, and my workspace, which I am sitting in. You're in this this beautiful off white with lots of natural light. I mean, there's not a shadow in your in your fucking room. Um, meanwhile, I'm in black on black on black. I think I'm even wearing yep wearing black, um, and you know. <laughs> Well, it, it reflects my heart is what it does. <laughs> Black like your soul. It's mm-hmm. a, we all love you still. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you do a lot of things. You're not, you're not uh, lacking uh, being busy. Uh, how, you know, it's interesting because like right before I hit record, I'm like, how do you want to be introduced? And, you know, it was this like laundry list of, of different roles. And, and I run into that too, owning, you know, a handful of different businesses how do you even begin to define yourself? Because it, the truth is, is you're a serial entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. What was it that started to open up this desire to want to start so many different things? And how do you kind of wrap your head around that when you're trying to even define yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because when I first started out, when I finally decided, okay, I'm going to, fitness is going to be my back. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to get into the competition world, get my pro card. Then I'm going to, you know, get my certification as a trainer, train people one-on-one. And I think as, well, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit is kind of like, it's like a blessing and a curse. It's also like a, you know, it's like a state of mental illness half the time (laughs) because you're literally like, okay, I've achieved one thing. What's, what's the next? Like, what is the natural progression? I think as an entrepreneur, you have to be super addicted to growth, right? So I think that that is a symptom of being an entrepreneur and the entrepreneurial spirit. So I guess when I started training, I was like, okay, well, how, how do I scale this? Okay. Let's build my app. Um, let's do my online program so I can reach more people. Okay. Did that. Let's go for the supplement line. Let's develop that. Let's get into these other products, these other projects that I'm working towards. And, you know, how many times can I get published? Like, it's sort of like, I don't know if it's dopamine, like the chasing the dopamine high, (laughs) or if it's just like, how do I add the most credibility to myself as a brand? If I really want to be an authority in this space, you know, how many, I guess, categories can I attempt and either conquer or totally fail, but I tried it. I, I, you know, I'm seeing what else is in the industry and I'm like, okay, that's just sort of the next mountain to climb, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes I wish I could just be like cool with like working a nine to five job for somebody else, because as an entrepreneur, it's really like stressful constantly. You know, you know how it is. Like there's never a moment where you're like, everything's done. I'm caught up and nothing left to do. It's like, there's never really any total peace of mind, but I think that again, that's part of 
personality type. I think it is like a, it's like you have it or you don't. And I, I'll second that. I think, and it's not better, nor is it worse than choosing that, that nine to five route. Um, it's, I it's, <laughs> I, I think it's about clarity of, of what brings happiness or, you know, happiness is fleeting. Let's call it fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And for, individuals like yourself and for many of the listeners of this show, it is a constant desire to see what could be achieved next. Not that it is a dissatisfaction with what was achieved previously, but it's an awareness Mm -hmm. of self to say, okay, I've done this. I wonder if now I can do that. I wonder what is that breaking point. And I, we had an article written in our magazine and uh, it, it, it paralleled what entrepreneurs and professional athletes have in common. And the one thing that the article did not mention, but kept coming to my mind was take a professional athlete. They have such a finite amount of time to reach as close to perfection as possible within their sport, knowing that they'll never actually get to perfection. And then also knowing at some point age or injury or, just natural uh, declination is going to pull them away from perfect. So it's getting closer and closer and closer. And then at some point you start to, you start to fade out, but how much can you achieve in this finite amount of time? And I think entrepreneurs have that in, in a personal development connotation or what is the level of impact or legacy that I want to cultivate uh, before I can no longer create or before I can no longer make an impact. I think that's kind of what, what is, kind of gone through my mind about that. I think lately I've been trying to be a, a lot more introspective about what's driving me also though, because I've always sort of been through this like okay, plow through, plow through, onto the next, onto the next. And my boyfriend said to me the other day, he's like, babe, you don't even take a second to be like, good job, like to myself, mm-hmm. like you really nailed that. That was a huge accomplishment let me sit in the satisfaction for a second. And I was like, wow, that's really good feedback because, and I started reading a lot about, about dopamine and about that kind of like striving for success constantly, because we do live in a culture where it's sort of like, okay, the grind and like, what else can we accomplish? And what else can we brag about? And what other notch on our belt of accomplishments can we get? And it's like, okay, so I have to kind of check myself too. And I think it's important for everyone to check themselves on what is my intention behind achieving this goal? Mm-hmm. Is it because I want to look really cool and badass and brag about it? Or is it because I want to help people? You know, once I get this goal, am I going to be satisfied with that? Not that you ever stop growing, but it's like really finding the balance between, you know, satisfaction with your work and saying, I did a great job. I feel fulfilled. And not just chasing the next thing because you're chasing some dragon of, you know, ego fulfillment or ego, you know what I mean? Ego feeding your ego. So I've been kind of trying to check myself. (laughs) I think it's important to do that. It's, you know, that's an interesting um, take on it. And I look at, you know, early, especially earlier in my career. And I think that's when we tend to do this. Uh, is we keep moving finish lines. And for me, it was, oh, you know, how much money can I make my first year in business? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Well, can I double that? Yeah. Okay. Can I double that? Sure. Um, You know, how many magazine covers can I shoot in a year? Can I double that? And continuing to do that, at some point, it becomes more about moving the finish line than ever allowing yourself to cross the finish line. So that does absolutely resonate with me. So what do you start to do in order to, whether it's celebrate accomplishments or even just recognize your own milestones? I think I've been learning to, especially in like, I do morning journaling every day because Mm -hmm. it's my most it's the cheapest mental health tool that I've ever <laughs> invested in. And it's by far the most valuable. So just checking in kind of stream of consciousness. Okay. What's on my mind? What are my anxieties of all the things that I feel like I have to do? And then what am I actually grateful for? Let me list out 10 things I'm grateful for with this project. So I can sit in this feeling of like, 
you know what? Good fucking job. Like, good job. You worked really hard. And remembering to check back, you know, it sounds kind of cheesy, but it's like check back in with your inner child, so to speak, and say, you know what? Look how, look how proud I am of you, right? Envision yourself as like your inner child, your inner five-year-old. Wow, look at what a good job you've done. You've worked really, really hard. Instead of being, you know, constantly hard on yourself about what you could do better. I think, again, you have to have both because I think in order to improve, you have to be your own referee and you have to be your own mentor in many ways of like, well, you kind of failed here, here, and here. You could get better, sharpen your sword, but then also look how much work you've done and like, good job. So I I think every morning it's sort of like a writing meditation of mine where I just brain dump and then I try to bask in the positive things that are going on for me. I try to purge the anxieties and the fears that I'm having also. And then I rip up those pages because it's sort of a symbolism of like, let it go. I don't need this anymore. This does not do me any good, this fuzziness. And then I sort of map out my day and I envision, you know, 10 things going really perfectly ideal for me, whether it's that day or in five years from now, mm-hmm. 10 different scenarios of like, this is how it's going to feel. It's going to go perfect. So I think really getting in touch with yourself every day, which is what's going on in your inner workings is really, really important. And that's like my biggest way of, of kind of like staying close to what's really going on for me, my intuition and, and trying to keep my ego in check. Hmm. <clears throat> Are you finding it easier to kind of manage the ego or has that always kind of played some role in regards to decisions you make both personally and or professionally? I think egos always played a role in what I've done and, and the relationships that I have or the things that I'm pursuing or driving towards. But I think that's why it has to be a daily practice. I don't mm-hmm. do this. Daily, you know, I don't do this writing routine like every quarter. I do it every fucking day because I have to, because if I don't, then my ego runs away with itself. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I've created 12 messes for myself, <laughs> you know? So that's why it's like, it's literally like, I, t- I tell this to my clients too, because I, um, you know, I'm big on mindset too. You can diet and work out all day long. My workout and diet programs, cool. I can get you in shape for sure. But if your mental isn't in check, you're either not going to sustain those results or you're going to fall off the, you know, the wagon in, in some way. So I always tell them to try some version of this morning writing routine all the time. And it's like, if you can do that and you can stay, you can stay close to that, then you're going to be able to like kind of keep those scales in balance. I'm big. I'm really big on all of that. Mm. What would you say, um, you know, you and I, we've, we haven't been in touch for too terribly long. I think we were introduced, I don't know what, two months ago, three months, maybe yeah. three months. Okay. Um, and I don't well, know well, if I so we pretty much, right. I mean, You're... well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, you know, <laughs> we're related in the sense of, you know, we're part of the same, uh, universe and, um, you know, the, the, the gods that be, uh, made us both perfect, but, um, exactly what would you say is the perception that you're cultivating with your brand? And on that same vein, second part of the question are, what are misconceptions you've noticed audiences having about the brand that you've been working to cultivate? You know, I think the perception I hope is that you know, it can be, it can be hard because like, I, I know that there, there can be misconceptions about, okay, it's a, an attractive girl doing fitness. Like, does she actually know her shit? Does she actually know what she's talking about? Um, and I try to have a balance in my content of entertainment and also education and, mm-hmm. and providing value and and knowledge and insight to people that are searching for the truth in an industry that is full of misinformation right so i try to but also not everybody wants that shit in their face every second so part of building your following in your audience is also to appeal to the lighter side of things where you're not just harping information every single day right so 
there's sort of like these different pillars of my brand that I put out there for different reasons. It's all part of a strategy. One is for growth, building the audience. One is for, you know, appealing to clients and customers that actually will buy my products. Um, and I, I, you know, I think there's always going to be a, a, a perception or a misperception when you're an attractive woman, not that I'm saying I'm super, but it's like, if you are an attractive woman or if you show skin that you might either be not smart or a suck up bitch or um, you fit, like not really walking the walk. I think there's, I mean, and that's a fair assumption to make because there's a lot of that that goes on in the, the world and the industry and social media. So I'm not even mad at that. But um, I think that that is a misperception that I have to constantly be, that I'm constantly up against. Um, and I have to stay super aware of it is like really provide value and really show people and teach people and try to be selfless and not take those misperceptions to heart. Like take nothing personally about that because it's fine. And the people that are your true supporters who have been paying attention for year for years, they know that you know your shit and they know, you know, so knowing that there's kind of a a lot of supporters that rally behind you that know who you are knowing that there's a lot of people that you still have a lot to prove to but it's also like don't even think about them think about staying true to the ones that support you and have supported you and these other people they may convert at some point and they might not um but you have to stay authentic to your mission and your message and like really be in touch with that daily i mean it's you know, to look at this on a macro scale, I mean, you're barking up, I don't know, 900,000 followers on, on Instagram and fuck knows how many elsewhere, you know, for so many of the listeners of the show, they're, they're dealing with, you know, they got their two dozen clients and, and, you know, maybe 3000 in the, in followers and, and, they can become myopically obsessed over one bad comment. I, I, I remember when I got my first review on my, my first book, that wasn't a five-star review. It was a three-star review that fucked up my month. Holy <laughs> shit. Who are you? And how dare you? Don't you know what I did for three years writing this book? Right. How could you leave it a one-star review? Oh my God. Um, but I mean, you're dealing with close to a million people mm -hmm. in your, in your ecosystem. Um, there has to be something you're doing to protect yourself from mm -hmm. just call it energy mm -hmm. because energy can, and you know what? And uh, honestly, Whitney energy can be addicting to the ego. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I've been guilty of smelling my own farts, you know, writing a post and then just relishing when people comment no. on my posts. I'm like, yes, yes. Oh, they agree with me. Oh, I'm so good. Um, or, or letting it pull you down when, when you're being called out or critiqued or, um, having misconceptions placed upon you. Mm -hmm. What are you doing with, you know, on, on your scale, which is a big scale that maybe listeners can apply to where we're at, you know, maybe, maybe as we're trying to build up to a certain scale. I think the biggest thing that I've learned is a do not engage with negative comments. I do not engage um, because all that that does is fan the flames and literally invite more negativity into your, into your sphere. And it's like, it's kind of like when somebody leaves a, a negative shitty comment on your page, it's sort of like, okay, you just walked into my living room and stomped your dirty muddy boots all over my carpet. You are asked to leave. I literally block, delete, goodbye, move on. Um, especially if I can tell it's just coming from a really ugly place. But I also have a, an agreement with myself where I, A, don't take anything personally. You know, there's the four agreements, right? That book is amazing. 
But I think that is the, don't take anything personally is like one of the best pieces of advice I've ever read in my entire life of like, it's not really about you, right? Maybe you triggered this person because you remind them of their fucking stepmother. I don't know. Like you have no idea why this person might be triggered. But I do think that it's also, I think you have a responsibility, especially as your audience grows, you have a responsibility to take certain things as like, is this feedback? Like, is there anything valid in this comment? Is this, you know, am I being what they're accusing me of being? And then take a second and reflect because we intuitively know if something really digs at us, sometimes it's because, oh, that's like, they just hit a button because we need to explore what's underneath that, right? Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like, okay, maybe you do need to take, it's like, A, take, take, don't take it personally, know that they're having a bad day, but B, is there anything constructive and like, is there an opportunity for growth in here? Am I being this person that they think is this, you know, am I being too extra? Am I being cringy? Do they think I'm coming up as a fucking dumbass? You know, like, do I need to come across more intelligent? Maybe this person and this negative comment can actually be of some value to you and help you sharpen the sword. So I've sort of found that negativity is like, find what's useful in it because it's not, it's not all a hundred percent wrong. Like with every, there's some, there, there might be some little ounce of truth and how can I use that to fuel me to get better as an entrepreneur? Um, because also one thing that I also notice is like, I also look at who it's coming from. If this is a person who is, uh, this is just a guy who, you know, is perverted <laughs> and he's upset that I'm not, you know, giving him the content that he's used to or wants from me or follows me for, then, okay, you are of no use to me. Cool. Mm -hmm. Delete block. No use for you on my page or in my space. But is this somebody who fits, is it a comment from somebody who fits my client avatar, like my ideal client? Is this somebody that would have been a customer had I not just really triggered them and turned them off with whatever Mm -hmm. that I did? That's somebody that I really need to look at and say, oh, there could be more people feeling like this in that group of people that could be potential customers for me. So like, do I need to adjust? Because that could be potential customers. This could be somebody that I could be helping. Maybe I'm not being of service to the people that do need me. So I think it's, again, you have to have balance. Like you have to humble yourself. I think one thing about social media is it can either make you super out of touch. There's a lot of people that are very out of touch because they think somehow they've risen to some level of celebrity and they're like, oh, my shit don't stink, right? Or you can be the person that's like, actually, this is super humbling (laughs) because you have a lot more people coming at you and you have a lot more scrutiny that you're put under. And if you don't let it jade you and you actually use it as productive, then you can actually become a lot more influential and powerful and and, in a positive impact, right? So I think you have to just really keep a head, like a strong head on your shoulders. That's why I say, you know, daily, like mental health is a huge thing for me. Mm-hmm. I've learned I've had to be very, you know, intentional with my mental health practices. The, and the bigger I grow and the bigger my audience grows, like I'm gonna, it's just gonna get, you know, more intense. So you've gotta stay equipped with your tools. I, um admitted to my audience on a previous episode that one of my unhealthy addictions is seeing bad things happen to bad people. It's, it's sick, you know, it's. And like relishing in it, you're like. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like I find whole Reddit threads on like people I dislike (laughs) and all it is is thousands of people like. You're like, yes, eviscerating them. Um, (laughs) So in the vein of humbling, uh, I found the eight most inflammatory comments about you. And I was wondering if you could respond to them. Okay. No, I'm joking. I didn't do that. I don't know. I don't even know if that exists, but I just wanted to see the look on your face. Um, But the reason, the reason I, I, I uh, make that joke is, you know, Instagram and I'll just say social media in general, it is a display of the greatest hits of our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, we're not putting our, our, our beat cuts on there. 
Okay, mm-hmm. this is the greatest hits. And and because of that, we're we're showing a filtered perception of not just our brands, but our lives. Um, what what do you try to do in order to pull the curtain open a little bit to reveal to your audience? And when I say your audience, I mean specifically the audience that you're trying to onboard as clientele. So your 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 target avatars that are part of your audience understand that hey in an audience that big, it's a percentage that mm-hmm. are, are potential clients and not everyone is, is following you for the reasons that you want them uh, to follow you. But uh, what do you do to open up a little bit and allow them to see behind the photo shoots or behind you know, the magazine covers so that they get a sense of, oh, this is Whitney. And mm-hmm. you know what? This, this is someone I can build trust with. This is someone I can build rapport with. This is someone that I feel comfortable enough investing, you know, uh, time, money, energy into working with or hiring to help me. Well, I think it also helps. I think I actually kind of struggled with this um, for a while until after I built my first app, Fit With Wit app. Mm-hmm. And um, like, obviously I had my clients, I worked one-on-one with clients for like six years in Los Angeles. Um, and then I, I built my app and I got a little more disconnected to my clientele because I wasn't working with them in person. I wasn't in the trenches with them every day, right? These are people that are using my app. So then I worked with a business coach who made me do this avatar, you know, ideal client avatar. He literally sat me down, was like, feel this, fill this out. And it was sort of like, I think you do something really similar because I'm reading your book, by the way, which is very, very good. I really like your book a lot. Thank you. Um, but it's like your avatar, your ideal client worksheet sort of thing is sort of what he made me do. And I'm like, okay, who are my ideal clients? And like, I started looking at the Facebook group um, for, that I created for my app members, right? And I started looking, okay, what is the common thread that I'm seeing with all of these people that are clearly, these are people who are buying from me and I somehow I'm resonating with them. And so I started, I just wrote out a list of traits of like descriptors, even visually, or what their personality seems like, or what my interactions with them have been, you know, what were, what did, what did I imagine them going home and doing at night? You know, what is their home life like? What is their, you know, playlist like at work, you know, during their workouts? Um, What kind of jobs are they in? What is their personality? What role do they play in their family, their friend group? Like I literally did a deep dive on the common denominators that I found in my audience. And I kind of, I did discover a very kind of similar prototype that I apparently resonate with. So I started every post that I would do after that. I think it's a super useful exercise to do that. So after that, every post that I would make, it was like, okay, even thinking of that person in real life or a friend that's just like that person that I know thinking of literally writing the post as if I'm talking to her and what things she would like get from me. And a lot of times like my clients, they're super real, right? We're, we're like, I'm not a perfect, like sweet, like I cuss like a sailor, you know, I can be a little raunchy. I, you know, I have my flaws and all of my clients are of the same vein. They don't cut fit into that cookie cutter, perfect mom, perfect life vibe. And they kind of own their shit. Right. Which is, which is what I was really proud of actually after that exercise. Cause I was like, I'm glad that I'm resonating with that type of real woman. Right. So it's like, if I try to come to my content and sound like this, sorry, that's my dog, not me. <laughs> Uh, if I try to sound like this, you know, perfect, you try to be this perfectionist in my, and, and sound too put on or sound too put together in my content, it's not going to vibe with the people that are ultimately going to buy from me. So it sort of allowed me and gave me permission to be myself actually, and like not hide how I actually would talk to somebody. Like how, what a text thread would literally look like between some me trying to explain to one of my girlfriends how gut health works and not trying to sound too clinical about it or, you know, so knowledgeable. It's like, no, okay, let me break it down for you. So I think it's a really useful exercise to go through that of like, 
who really resonates with me. And then every single thing that I put out there that is dedicated to that person. Even if you have to picture their face while you're writing content, I think is super useful. You know, you touched on something that I think is a nice segue, which is, you know, you, you do a lot of photo shoots and a lot of your photo shoots have edged on the sexier side. And there was a time in the not too distant future when I was working with lots of magazines and anytime there'd be a submission to, I will say mainstream commercial publications. And if the photos were in the same genre as a lot of what you shoot, it was always a hard pass. And the reason it was a hard pass was editors tried to make this, this chasm between what was considered commercially viable and what was considered to be inappropriate for, for newsstand audiences. Now, that has shifted tremendously over the last, you know, a uh, couple of years. Um, and I think there's a multitude of reasons for that. Um, but, you know, I've been spending a bit of time thinking about this personally, because I feel like as a photographer, I, I've kind of played both roles of it. Like I would, I would photograph, you know, content that, that was across a gamut of, you know, ultra conservative to uh, more beauty and glamour and, and, and sexy. Um, but yet I would, I would be very myopic when it came to who I'm shooting, what I'm shooting of them and where those photos are going. And I would truthfully myself pass judgment over, over certain types of content thinking, well, I hope she knows what she's doing. It's always a she, by the way, because this is a this is a, a patriarchy thing. I hope she knows what she's doing because she could be ruining opportunities for herself. Now, I've I've come uh, one eighty on this, and and you know my opinion is now it is an individual's right to mm-hmm. own their body. It's an individual's right to own their brand. It's an individual's right to profit from their body, profit from their brand in whatever way that they choose, and no one has the right to say whether that is acceptable or not acceptable, except themselves. Um, But we still live in a country that is divided on everything, Mm -hmm. uh, including what is moral or what is um, acceptable or what is permissible. How do you try to balance targeting mainly female clientele with having a portfolio that at least 50% of, of our country would look at as she's pushing the limits too much, or, you know what, that's, that makes me uncomfortable. How do you balance that? Yeah. It's so, it's such a good question because I have, and I still deal with this idea of responsibility that I carry with, okay, you have an audience, you have a responsibility to keep this in check right? Because how, how sexy is too sexy? What is damaging? What is contributing to the body image crisis right now? The mental health crisis with social media content? Am I contributing to making people feel bad about themselves even like, because photos are edited, you know, and if you're, you're prepping really hard for a shoot to look as fantastic as possible, it's not realistic in everyday life. That's not even what I look like in everyday life, right? So there is this sort of like constant moral dilemma that I even have in my own head of like, what is too much and trying to be responsible with it. But I also am a big believer in celebrating your hard work, right? Like where I'm in an, I'm in an industry where it's about fitness. It's about discipline. It's about how hard you can push your body, how strong you can get, how, but also how healthy you can be, how beautiful it looks. The reason we do it is because we want to look and feel beautiful and feel confident. So like, what is the point of doing all this work? If I can't, celebrate that. And photo shoots have been one of my favorite ways of celebrating my hard work. Um, and so, and I do think that it's important. And I'm always very encouraging of like my clients have been like, book a freaking photo shoot, even if you don't show anyone the pictures, but like your husband or whatever, um, celebrate the work that you're doing, feel confident, sexy, empowered. Um, but I also dealt with, you know, like when I was trying to do modeling, commercial modeling and I just had more of a sex I just had a different look like I had a sexier look it was you know I had muscles I had boobs I had you know you know like I had a different look than the typical commercial 
fitness agent was looking for. And so I got rejected a lot from like agencies. They were like, yeah, no, you don't fit the bill, you know? And I learned to, I, I tried a few times to be like, okay, well, let me see if I can fit into the box that they're like trying to put me in and like fit into this idea that they, that they are giving me of like, what will bring me success. And it made me miserable every single time. It was like, I was like, this is just not me. I would literally feel like, so like a cardboard, like statue in these photo shoots. I was so stiff. I was so, it was just not cute. And it, it, the energy is written all over your face. So I decided, well, I'm going to have to start creating my own opportunities because <laughs> clearly like, and, and that's what's so beautiful about the age that we live in now is like, this is the age of creating your own opportunities. Like you could literally we have creative license now to do so much with what, with our work. Um, so I'm like, why am I trying to pigeonhole myself into like this thing that's not working for me? So I had to grow up and learn that lesson. And as a result, I have gotten a ton of opportunities that fit who I was, um, that fit what I, what image I was, you know, and, and I'm continuing to create them every day, but it did, it did, pigeonhole me out of a lot of things that I potentially could have done. Um, but it didn't feel right for me. So like that energy was icky. I'm like, well, at least I don't want to spend my time doing that anyways. <laughs> so I think you just have to realize like what feels good, what feels right. And then also with the sexy stuff, it's sort of like I had, I think I had told you I grew up Mormon, right? And I grew up in a Mormon family between Idaho and Utah. That's sort of, it was ultra conservative in general and ultra Mormon communities in general. And I kind of always knew I didn't fit in. And I kind of always knew like there was something about it that was just not really resonating with me on a soul level. It was like, but I was sort of playing by the rules for a while, even to the point of like going to the first couple of years of college at a Mormon college, BYU. It was a great college. You know, I'm really glad that I grew up that way. Um, it gave me a lot of values and hard work and, you know, good teachings of, of like the kind of person you should be and live in integrity. But I also realized a very valuable lesson when I finally decided to leave the church. I was like, I, nothing is worth sacrificing my authenticity and like what feels right to me. And, you know, I'm just think a different way than these people. I have a more open, accepting, you know, I guess, wild hair in my bones than these people. And that's okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there's like, I did a lot of work on shame and like how that affects you, like the toxic shame that is embedded in very, very ultra conservative um, uh, communities that it's like, if that's not resonating with you, you have to know that that's okay. And that you're wired a different way. And everybody's different, you know, for, I have family members who it is like, the, the conservative values is like the best thing ever. That, that church is the best thing ever for them. But I was different, right? And I ended up having to break out of that shell and I was judged a lot for it. And I think it gave me a lot of really valuable practice in facing judgment, criticism, you know, rejection and like being shunned and being like, you know what though? It's still way more, like it's too important to try to become something that I'm not. Like being myself and following my own authenticity is too important. Yes, I might offend people. Yes, I'm gonna get criticized for it. Guess what? Like I'll take that any day over living like a false identity. So I think that was a really valuable thing to learn. And I've had to take that with me throughout my entire career. Cause I've had a lot of, you know, I've, I've been to like different managers or agencies or whatever that are like okay but you need to stop doing this 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 and this this is too edgy or you need to stop you know participating in this type of photo shoot or whatever and it was sort of like okay then we're not a fit <laughs> like it just got it went to the point where I was just like yeah then we're not we're not a fit like there's an ask for every seat right <laughs> you, just like your podcast the other day about your first date and you had rejection because she's like well you're not my type it's like but you're somebody's type Right. And like, thank God you didn't end up with somebody that made you feel less than for so long, you know? So I think it's just like learning how to take anything personally and like finding your own 
way because it will fall into place. Like the world is full of different characters now. We are blessed now to be in a much more open-minded, I mean, even though we still have a lot of long way to go, we are blessed enough to know like, there's still opportunities for all different types of people. So just like feel what is true to you and go for it. I think there will be people that resonate with you no matter what, like my clients resonate with me. If they don't like the sexy stuff, they're probably not going to buy from me anyway. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> if you don't, if you don't like that, like you probably weren't a fit regardless. So like, there's someone else for you, go ahead and find that. And you know, that's, yeah, you just have to kind of stay true to your own. Yeah. You're not fooling anyone with <laughs> with that yeah a couple things one how dare you bring up my first date i'm still healing on that <laughs> i still i still have a lot of work to do gannon to will remain last nameless i will not give you the press <laughs> no no although i may you know what maybe you're right maybe i should send her the recording just just so she knows i'm like i wonder if she stalks your instagram at all and maybe knows of the podcast yet I'm just going to assume no. <laughs> That's safe, safe guess. No. Um, I was thinking as you were sharing that story, I, there was this photography conference I had an interest in presenting at, and I knew one of the other presenters there. So I was kind of leaning into this person a little bit to try to get some insider information, like what do they look for? Um, who's the person to build relationships with, um, best way to submit some of my work samples, uh, some speaking demo reels, like help me get in. And she was giving me some advice and some pointers. And then randomly, I get this message from her says, you know, just so you know, they're a very conservative company. And I said, and? Like, what, where are you going with right. this? And she yeah. says, well, they might not look kindly on some of the sexier work you do. Uh. And I was like, <laughs> is this from them or is this from you? Either way, fuck you all. Because <laughs> like that, that right there, that was such an unsolicited, like I, I gather I was soliciting for, for information, but like that came with such resounding judgment right mm -hmm. and i was like and i and i was processing that i'm like well i guess none of you are for me for me right mm -hmm. like exactly. you can be for someone else but it's not for me and i think you know the problem that i see is not when someone chooses to work in a certain industry although some may have that problem i don't i don't care you know work in whatever industry makes you happy um it's when they say they want to work in one industry, but they really want to work in a different industry. So the, it, it, it ends up being a little misleading. Don't portray yourself as this, you know, use the word holistic, not in a, or not holistic, wholesome, but not in a sense that wholesome is good and not wholesome is bad, but you can't say you're one thing and then go and do the exact opposite. That right there is what creates mistrust. But if you're honest, this is who I am. This is what represents me. And if you're on board, welcome. Right. Love right. to have you here. And if it's not for you, that's okay too. Right. No worries. Uh, and I think it's it's when people are more open and honest and transparent about this is who I am. These, this is what my intentions are. And this is what I'm trying to create. Um, and if you like what I'm doing, hey, you're welcome to you're welcome to jump on board and join me. If not, that's okay. Right. Else is for I mean, you. It's hard because like, even with those jobs that I could have got for with like fitness modeling or whatever, ultra, ultra wholesome, ultra commercial, whatever. It's not that I couldn't have done it and fit in well enough, but it's like, would I have even enjoyed that day of work? Like, how do you want to spend your days working? Mm -hmm. Like I got to a point where I, when I was training clients, in Los Angeles, it was like, I don't, I'm not interested in working with assholes. I'm not interested in working with people. I am not interested in spending my hours and my days doing things that I don't enjoy or around people that I don't, that are not my people. It's like, there's billions, billions of people in the world. Like, let's find another avenue. There's always another avenue and opportunity. I just think you have to be 
open to like finding you might have to work a little harder or search a little further that than to find them but at the end of the day like why would you want to work with those people anyways <laughs> you, you the truth is is you're not going to you will feel like an outsider. And I think there's, there's two types of ways you can feel like an outsider. There's the types of times where you put yourself in an uncomfortable situation because you know that there's potential growth behind it. That's great. That's, that's pushing your boundaries. That's what I had an old mentor. She called it edging. Um, but then there's trying to change who you are to fit in mm-hmm. with another group. That's mm-hmm. different. And that right there. And, and by the way, they're easy to, to confuse. Because yeah. I've, I've tried to do the one and ended up doing the other. Mm-hmm. And I, I could, I could not only physically, you know, visually see myself, I can physically feel myself sitting at uncomfortable dinner conversations mm-hmm. with other business owners thinking, God damn, I hate every one of these people. <laughs> right. This sucks. And, and thinking, and they must hate me too. Because they have to, they have to smell it on me that I don't belong here. All right, not not that I don't deserve to sit at this table. It's not that. This is not a question of of worth. Mm-hmm. But they know that these are not the values I espouse. Mm-hmm. And I think when you cut through that bullshit and get a lot clearer, mm-hmm. that's when you start to feel a lot more confident in the decision you're making about what you want to do or don't do. And I also think as an entrepreneur, you do, like you said, the edging thing, like it's important to challenge yourself to fit into a room or at least try and put on a different face. Not necessarily that you're being fraudulent about it, but like, okay, let me see if I can be a chameleon in this group, or if I have to, you know, sharpen my skills as a business person and I have to, you know, play the role a little bit. You might find that you can be really good at that and still hold on to some authenticity of who you are and then great you just opened up more doors for yourself and more avenues so i feel like if you can treat it as an experiment of like everything's an experiment like test your limits in every way the ones that feel really icky you just then now you know you don't ever want to go back there again so let's test some others and what feels right you're gonna find i think it's important to keep growing but also you have to be anchored in your authenticity or else you're going to be fucking miserable. I can tell you an exact story of losing that, that specific anchor. I was at this uh, mastermind dinner in Los Angeles and the special guest de jour uh, was Lewis Howes. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know who Lewis Howes is, congratulations. Um, <laughs> I, I had just such a limited introduction to him prior to this dinner because uh, I had tried his podcast a few times. It wasn't for me. I didn't like his his hosting style. Outside of that, I had no idea who this person was, um, but he was really heralded at this dinner as being the end-all be-all when it comes to how to learn how to grow a, a audience, a, a ravenous audience of, uh, you know, because this podcast, I mean number one for the last umpteen years. Um, and I just remember being quite underwhelmed uh, with him um, and his advice because his advice really was he didn't remember how he did anything he did because it was so long ago and he has assistants that handle everything that you could ever want to know about distribution to marketing to uh, audience acquisition, etc. And this whole ideology of, well, you just got to keep plowing your field and just keep doing it. Eventually things will turn your tide. Yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't instill a lot of confidence mm-hmm. anyway, that I only point that out to say, I didn't have a lot of thoughts about him before that dinner. And af- at that dinner, I wasn't terribly swayed to think anything more of him, but mm-hmm. I was one of the only ones, at least honestly, uh, at this dinner who seemed to be unimpressed because everyone wanted their photo with him. And he was giving out copies of his new book about how to be a man. Um, I, I don't think that was the title, but <laughs> I think that was what, you know, the, the vein of it. Um, mm-hmm. And at some point, the host of this dinner realized I was the only person there but- who had not taken my photo with Lewis Howes. <laughs> And they kept coming up to me like, James, do you want your photo with Lewis? And I was like, no, I'm okay. And 
they mistook that as me being shy. And they're like, come on, James, I'll introduce you. I'm like, really? I'm fine. Yeah, it's okay. No big deal. And I, at some point it got awkward because I'm just like, they really think I'm nervous to meet this guy or they're going to start to think I'm an asshole because I don't want to meet this guy. So I'm like, okay, I'll, yeah, sure. Introduce me. And so I stood next to him and he's like seven foot tall. He's not seven foot tall, but he's way taller than me. Uh, so I look like a, a child standing next to this overgrown man and he signs a book for me and it says something like, I don't know, paraphr- like keep dreaming or something bullshit like that um and then he like poses with me holding up the book that he just signed for me and, and i was just like my soul just died inside because like you've been used <laughs> yeah i'm just like oh what and it was like what am i gonna like now i can't even sell this fucking book because my he wrote my name in it like this is <laughs> this is and I, i'm not trying to jump all over lewis house i'm he was a very nice man right yeah he just he just didn't give me any information that i could i could use and that whatever but um yeah no there's an example of when i was like when i buckled and i was like okay i'll be i'll be the fan i'll be the person who pretends i'm a fan of this Hmm. you know it was a little exercise and look look what you got out of it a hilarious story (laughs) and a free book no not a free book i gotta pay for the mastermind with the book because you end up I it's it's on a bookshelf somewhere. I I thought about reading it. Um, I I think I might have read like the dedication page, but it's the book is all about like masculinity. And I think you have to have masculinity to build masculinity. I'm just like, I'm not the target demo for this. (laughs) There's Yeah, like I, 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 you know, you'll know I've lost my true north, uh, Whitney, when I put out like a men's retreat teaching men how to be more masculine, where we go in the woods together and shoot guns and stuff. Like what? He's fully sold out. Here he is. There's yeah, yeah. And I'll call it something like extreme, like, um, the the uh the wolf pack or something like that <laughs> if there if someone has a men's retreat called the wolf pack i'm sorry oh i'm sure there are i'm sure there are uh, i did one actually not men's oh, retreat? like i i yeah i i joined one and how did it go was it like a big circle jerk <laughs> it was um yeah kind of only instead of jerks it was like they made us box each other for some reason box each other yeah we had to fight each other like physically fight one another and was that like a useful exercise was that for what um i mean if you want to learn how to separate a guy's jaw yeah because one guy totally dislocated his jaw yeah i'm not sure and then then after that we went and shot big guns and was like a male's retreat to like instill masculinity yes and 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 they would ask us every week if we had sex with our, our, our significant others. Like we had to like say that. And I always felt weird about that. I was like, I still no. <laughs> like James, it's been, it's been six months and your answer is always no. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. It's just not it doesn't, but no, it was this, it was this weird thing that like they sold it as like a entrepreneur retreat but it ended up not being that at all let's be a man retreat yeah and so we we fought each other and got yelled at and what's that it's like boy scouts but for like full-grown men it was like it was like boot camp it was like you know there was like a marine drill sergeant yelling at us making us run drills in the heat and at some point like and then yelling at us if we didn't give the right answer and was any of it useful no Did you get anything out of that? No, that no, absolutely not. No, Um, there was some stuff leading up to it because it was like this like six week course. And then the retreat was the 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 capstone of it. Um, There were some interesting organ from an organizational perspective of how they orchestrated the behind the scenes that I found fascinating. Like I like shopping other people's programs just to to learn how they how they uh, deliver service. I think it's 
we should do it more often mm -hmm. and how they orchestrated the, the calls and the check-ins and, and yeah. the, the, the procedures of, of how we're evaluating ourselves was, was really well done. Um, mm -hmm. The retreat itself just all of a sudden, like, is this a horror movie? Like, where are the cameras? Because I don't think I'm going to make it home afterwards. With cold, like the cold tub thing part of that, we did do a cold tub thing. Yeah. I mean, I like the cold tub thing personally, but I'm just like thinking of all the things that they included on this retreat anyways. Yeah, I whatever oh oh and to cap it off by the way they made us take a shot of an unknown substance to prove our trust in them what, what was like bull semen or something it was it was apple cider vinegar and the only reason i knew that prior to is i saw them hiding the bottle um <laughs> because we, we were we were blindfolded um but they didn't put my blindfold on well enough that i was able to see the bottle that was like me with santo as a kid i was like huh? <laughs> the door. God. Oh, too many rabbit holes. Whitney, um, what's coming up next for you? What's, what's next on your agenda when it comes to all the amazing things that you're doing? Well, um, I have a new, two new formulations coming out with my supplement line that I'm mm. excited about. One is a gut health product that is like game changing. We've been testing it and getting fantastic feedback. I'm really excited about that. Uh, I think it's going to help a lot of people. A lot of people need gut health assistance and it helps across the board, physically, mentally, all the things. So that one's really exciting. And then I'm also, my nootropics product, we're adding um, caffeine to one of, we're going to have a caffeinated gel pack formula. So it's like an on the go little uh, shot. So that's, plus. that's that mind boost one, right? Yes. Is that what it's called? Mind boost? What's it called? Brain activate. Brain activate. Okay. That's that's better than Mind Boost. Mind Boost. I mean, it's not bad, but yeah, yeah it's, those are the two that are coming up. Um, and so I'm built, still building out the line. You and I have a couple covers coming up soon. I hope <laughs> that's on the docket. Um, you know, that's I'm just doing my things, trying to keep growing, trying to keep helping people. And I will I will have to shout out how much I enjoyed your um, brain activate. Um, was that right? Right. Did I say it right? Yes. So not, not mind boost. Not mind boost. I, you know, I'm just going to circle back on this one because mind boost is, is too good. Like mind boost juice. <laughs> Maybe that will be the name of the caffeinated version. There you go. Um, you accidentally left a few packets at my studio. So thank you for that. I'm glad that you yeah, have it, it's, I'll send you a whole, I'll send you a whole box. I'll even send better. You yeah. More I, I, I will be an affiliate for, for, um, only if you rename it, uh, my boost juice, um, James is my boost juice, put my name on it. Um, more people should think like me and, um, it's, it, I enjoy it. It it's, it's, it's rare. Like every now and then, like we have clients with, with products and, you know, I'll, I'll be nice and I'll give it a try. It's very rare. I actually enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I, I thoroughly enjoyed your you product. Did? Oh, oh yeah. I like this. Yeah. I, I, as someone who, you know, I, I manage eight businesses. I, I am constantly having to shift gears, which is that alone wears people out so much is the, the need to multitask um, and shifting gears between eight businesses. You know, by the end of the day, it's, it is a, it's just like a mental, like mm. mind fuck of where my brain is at, but being able to like have clarity and focus yeah. throughout the day. That is such, it's such a rare thing, but it's such a delightful thing. And, and I actually had it when I, when I was, uh, that makes me so happy. having those, having those packets that you accidentally yeah. left behind, or, or maybe that's what you just do. I was doing that. I was, I planted it on purpose. I yeah. Like, I'm going to get kind of like the person who goes out and date who leaves like their sunglasses at the house. Like, Oh, I got to come back. I left my sunglasses. Like you're just like, <laughs> Guerrilla warfare and yeah. your product into other people's uh, ecosystems. Them all over the place. I like leave them strategically. No, I, I actually do know that means a lot because I, from what I can tell of from just my interactions with you so far, is you don't just hand out like false praise. You're like you're gonna earn it. Like you're not getting shit for praise from me unless you really earn it. So like that is such a like rave review that you just those simple words. I'm like, wow, 
what you can you can you can pull the audio on that and feel free to feel free to use it. You're right. I do not give too many compliments, and that's like this guy does not give out praise very easily. Guys. It's it's you know what is it is the one gift I got from my father was was that. Hey, thank you for your authenticity, right? That's the theme for the day. So. There it is. There it is. Whitney, where can listeners go to be able to connect with you and, and learn more about you? Um, at Whitney Johns on Instagram. I'm on YouTube as well, Facebook, or you can always uh, stop by my website, WhitneyJohns.com. Check out my programs and my supplement line. Perfect. And we'll make sure all those links are in the show notes. Whitney, I, I do have to say second compliment coming your way. What you've been able to achieve is, is truly remarkable despite all your obvious physical disadvantages. It's <laughs> I really appreciate it. I, I've had that chambered for two hours. So you're just <laughs> lucky I waited this long to get that one out. Wrote it down like be sure. <laughs> I love it. Thanks for keeping me humble always. No, I really do appreciate it. You are truly amazing. Thank you so much. And uh, definitely want to have you back on. Wolf would love it. Thank you so much for listening to the Beyond the Image podcast. Please follow, like, and review wherever you happen to listen to the show. And if you want to connect to me, you can find me at jamespatrick.com, Instagram at jpatrickphoto, or you can text me any of your marketing questions to 480-605-3254. Thanks again.